We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Imagine you're a senior in high school and you go to your final debate. You've been on the debate team all four years. You've won, you've lost, but you've had success and you love to debate because you love free speech. And you go and you show up to the debate and the judge excoriates you for something you're not even debating about. Some other tangential belief, perhaps or something that the judge disagrees with, but that is open for debate. Debate in high school is no longer debate. James Fishback wrote about this for the Free Press. He's written a part two. He's amazing. He joins us next. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya Podcast. Let me read you the first part of what the Free Press printed for James Fishback's second article. One month ago, James Fishback, a former debate champion, wrote a piece for us exposing how high school debate has been hijacked by political and ideological judges. The article went viral. Politicians on both sides of the aisle tweeted their shock at Fishback's findings. Democratic Rep. Ro Khanna and Republican Senator Ted Cruz invited him to meet with them to discuss the problem. Most importantly, more than 100 coaches, debate parents, and debaters, both current and former, reached out to Fishback to share their own experiences, confirming that in high school debate, debate is no longer allowed. That number included people from inside the National Speed and Debate Association, the key institution Fishback investigated, who told him he didn't know the half of it. So we asked Fishback to dig deeper, and here's what he found. That's from Barry Weiss, who wrote the intro to this part two, which we're going to discuss right now with James Fishback. I, I can't remember a topic that has incensed me more than this one. And it needs to be repeated and repeated and listened to and shared as often as possible. Just as this does. You want to know the biggest summer secret to a great-looking, glowing summer complexion? It's a lot more than drinking water and putting SPF all over your skin. It's having great skincare products from our friends at Genucel. Now, sun, humidity, dehydrated skin covered in dark spots, and even puffier bags under the eyes, they're a problem for all of us, but thankfully, Genucel has the perfect answer. Introducing Genucel's beautifully curated Summer Essentials Package. This is a limited edition package that includes Genucel's one-of-a-kind Ultra Retinol Super Moisturizer that uses a powerful plant extract alternative to retinol so there are no harsh side effects and it's perfectly safe to use in the summer sun. Plus, you'll get Genucel's classic skincare therapy for under-eye bags and puffiness. It works wonders. And their concentrated vitamin C serum to nourish your skin for a visibly clear complexion with a glow that will get you compliments everywhere you go. I know this. Go to genucel.com slash Michelle right now. Get your Genucel Summer Essentials package 
And just for the summer, every subscription order includes a customized summer spa gift box absolutely free. Order now and every summer package includes GenuCell's immediate effects also free. And with its immediate effects, results are guaranteed in 12 hours or less or your money back. Don't wait. Go to GenuCell.com slash Michelle. It's G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Michelle. And that's Michelle with one L. GenuCell.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. What in the hell is happening to debating in America? It's scary. It's infuriating. And it needs to stop. James Fishback will tell us more. James, it is so great to have you back after you hinted that there was another part to this series that was coming out. It is entitled Part Two at High School Debates. Watch what you say. Kids are losing high school debates because of their personal tweets, reveals James Fishback in a new expose. All right, what are you talking about here? It's great to be back, Michelle. Thank you. And it was really a, pl- a privilege to have the opportunity to write again for the free press in this yeah. series on high school debate. I start part two off with the story of Matthew Adelstein. It was his senior year of high school, 2022. He went to the Tournament of Champions, one of the most competitive and prestigious tournaments in high school debate. The final round for him of the tournament. And the topic is U.S. water policy. And he's in favor of it. So he argues, he lays out his evidence, his data, so on and so forth. And then the other team, his opponent stands up. And the first words out of his opponent's mouth are, this debate is bigger than debate. It's about stamping out violent and racist behavior in our community. Matthew's jaw dropped. He had no idea what they were talking about. They then pulled up a screenshot of a tweet that Matthew had sent a couple weeks prior that they deemed politically incorrect. And then they went on to excoriate him to call him a violent racist over the next 45 minutes in a debate, again, about U.S. water policy. Here's the worst part, Michelle. The judge sided with his opponents. Then the judge went out, humiliated and excoriated Matthew in his decision, telling him that this event is better off with violent racists and homophobes on the outside of it. And he viewed his ballot, which is to say he viewed his decision in voting for the other team as an important step in curbing white debate behavior that is violent and racist. Oh, my God. Okay, so I'm not sure that this should matter. But what was it about this tweet that they deemed so racist and and violent? Yeah, you would think Matthew justified slavery with this type of response. The tweet was actually a response to another tweet uh, that somebody had put out asking for opinions. And it was name something in society that you personally are against, but you feel should be legal and accepted. And then Matthew responded, calling people racial and homophobic slurs. Now, Matthew is a card-carrying progressive. Ten minutes on his Twitter will show the types of interactions that he has. He tells me that he misread the part about accepted by society. He was just responding on the basis of legalities, right? Speech that we don't like, including slurs, is protected by the First Amendment. And that's why he was responding that way. But this team dug through his social media, used this post hijacked the round, what was supposed to be an important debate about water policy and water resources in this country, 
And then the judge took it seriously and then went on to dress down Matthew as being a racist homophobe. Okay, so shame on the judge, shame on the opposing team. Um, I'm not going to say there's any shame on Matthew Edelstein because what he was calling for basically was free speech, absolute free speech in his tweet. And then his free speech is used against him in a high school debate about water. So this is a, a, a terrifying uh, story about what's happening to debate in this country. Did he have any recourse or was this it for him? This was his final high school, his final senior debate. This was the last round of debate Matthew Adelstein ever participated in. And that's tragic. It's sad. But this story is not unique to Matthew. Uh, the next part of part two for the free press I talk about a judge by the name of Zachary Rashovsky in his publicly available paradigm on the National Speech and Debate Association website called Tabroom. He actually invites students to participate in the kind of behavior that Matthew's opponents did. He says, I will consider indictments, they call it, of your opponent on the basis that they said something racially insensitive or insensitive on the basis of gender. He then implores students to pull up a Facebook post or have multiple other people back up the accusation, and he will vote on this in the round. So now what you have is you have the 140,000 kids that are part of high school debate in this country looking over their shoulder, constantly living in fear. Wait, hold on a second. Did I tweet the wrong thing? Did I like the wrong tweet? Did I defend President Trump on Twitter? Did I defend RFK on Twitter? And is that now going to be thrown in my face on a debate on NATO involvement or on policing? This is antithetical to debate, Michelle, but more than anything, it's un-American. It absolutely is. Uh, as as coincidence would have it, I spent a, a part of my day earlier before I spoke to you uh, talking to two people who are formerly from China, now live in America, understand what communism looks like, what Marxism looks like. And they and this is the perfect example of how it is creeping into our free society. And I think that people are in such denial that anything like this could actually happen in America that they don't they take these stories as little one offs. Oh, this is one judge and this is one debate and this is one high school student. But as you've exemplified, this is this is not just one thing. And, and, and by the way, it can start with one, just like it started with one transgender athlete and it can build and it can build. And if people are in denial and think that it's no big thing, we will allow it to build uh, about 12 hours ago, maybe a little longer. You had a spaces event on Twitter to talk about because you've gotten a load of reaction to these to these two articles on debate. What was this? What was the reaction on this this Spaces event on Twitter? Yeah, this is the great thing about the the free platform that Twitter has become is that you actually can have open debates about important issues. I invited everyone, those who supported the article and the very few people that criticized it, to have an open discussion where we could actually have a debate about debate. I was shocked at the way that the people who crit criticized my article justified their criticism. One student who is a nationally ranked Lincoln Douglas debater said that when students argue for capitalism, that is, quote, rhetorically violent, justifying, Michelle, the judge Lila Lavender in part one, who said that if you are pro-capitalism, I will not vote for you. 
or the judge in part two, John Hollihan, who says that I'm extremely skeptical of capitalism. You better do a lot of convincing. Why isn't he extremely skeptical of socialism or Marxism? Why is capitalism uniquely held to the highest standard where you have to get everything right to win his vote? To your point about China, by the way, Vivek Ramaswamy has a great uh, way of thinking about this. Look, you can say anything about the Chinese Communist Party. What you can't do is you can't call them hypocrites. Because to be a hypocrite, you have to have believed in something in the first place. The Chinese have never said they believed in free speech. They have never said they believe in freedom of expression. Therefore, while it is abhorrent, it still is not hypocrisy. This country was set in motion nearly 250 years ago on the basis of free speech and open debate. Every turning point in our nation's history, from the Declaration of Independence to the Constitutional Convention to the Civil Rights Movement, back to the Civil War, every turning point happened because we had an open conversation where dissenting views were allowed. This is the mother of all hypocrisy, that in high school debate, debate is not allowed. Capitalism, you can't support it. Policing, you can't support them, even if you have all the evidence these judges tell you, you will lose and there's nothing you can do about it. That's it's it's so insane that you're kind of left dumbfounded and thinking, what do I even say about this? Because it, it speaks for itself. It's like so it's a full frontal attack on free speech and debate, full frontal. And it, and and so you, you ask yourself about the organization and and I'm so glad you have an alternative called Incubate Debate. It's dot com, right? Or is it dot org? It's both. We got our bases okay. covered. Well done. Incubate Debate, which is a wonderful name because you're you're encouraging actual debate. Um, it, you got, as we mentioned, loads of res- responses to your first part. Part two made me even madder, I think, if I could have been madder than I was after reading part one. Outside of your Twitter spaces uh, reaction last night, wh- what's been the general sort of feedback that you've gotten? Well, the general feedback has been almost exclusively positive about the reporting, but negative about where high school debate is today. Mm-hmm. My reporting is self-evident. I, I It's really not about my opinion. It is about the judges in question and their direct verbatim quotes on publicly available NSDA paradigms, these statements where they tell students before the round, hey, you know, if, if you're white, don't run arguments that affect people of color, that kind of nonsense. What I would say is we're still waiting for a reaction from the National Speech and Debate Association. Where on earth are they when you have judges coming forward telling students that you can't make certain types of arguments. One thing that the set part two as well did, uh, Michelle, is it tied in this war on gendered language on social issues in high school debate. At the 2019 NSDA National Tournament, there's an event called Congressional Debate. It's where if you and I were competing, we would pretend to be members of Congress. You would be Miss Tafoya, I would be Mr. Fishback, much like Uh, Mr. Graham and Mr. Booker might refer to themselves in a congressional hearing, but they have a new rule beginning in 2019, which is as quoted by the NSDA parliamentarian, I quote, do not want to hear Mr. or Miss from anyone. We need to learn to respect the differences of the people here. 
they're declaring war on gendered language. Because in the subtlest of ways, Michelle, it validates that sex, as you and I and everyone knows, is binary. And so here we go again. This is an organization that will penalize students if they refer to their competitor as Mr. Last Name or Miss Last Name. I, I wonder how we got here after so many years of accepting biology as science, yeah. the chromosomal differences between men, men and women, that gender is binary, um, that suddenly now in a debate setting, you have to disavow that, that fact and, right. and that people, adults in the room, are imposing these rules. Um, it's like they're it's like they're creating their own little snow globe, and inside that snow globe, you better operate by their rules, or you're kicked out. I mean, you're basically like you you said about Adelstein, just chastised and 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 thrown under the bus. Um, how do you suppose we got here? High school debate has has never been a conservative activity. It's always been somewhat progressive, and that's because the people who uh, coach high school debate, go to PhD programs in communications, and those typically those people typically are are on the center left or even further out. I think this particular moment in the National Speech and Debate Association's history is fraught for two reasons. One, the 2016 election, which took this tribalism that's been simmering in America for decades and amplified it, mm-hmm. and and essentially it's the ends justify the means, right? If your ideology is fascist, is homophobic, is racist, is xenophobic, then there's nothing that we can't do to justify stamping it out. That's what they believe, mm-hmm. right? That's what they believe. And so when, when, when you believe that Trump is Hitler, when you believe that the people who have questions about the 2020 election or about vaccines or about maybe we shouldn't have locked down as long as we did and pushed largely underserved communities to study from home. And by the way, you know this, Michelle, the the results on national testing speak for themselves. Yes. They don't want to have a debate on that. So when all of that is labeled fascist and racist and xenophobic and all of that, then guess what? There is nothing that the NSDA can't do to justify stamping it out. And look, I'm, I'm all for, I'm an unapologetic conservative, but at the end of the day, when I'm a debate judge, the best argument wins. And if that argument is socialism, if that argument is open borders, heck, if that argument is defunding the police, if you lay it out with solid reasoning, evidence, and logic, and your opponent does not respond with refutation and rebuttal, then you by default win. It's, It's really that simple. But look, I'm not here as a conservative. I'm here as a free speech absolutist saying that it's not about my ideas being involved in the debate for the sake of them being involved. Uh, or on their merit, it's because conservative viewpoints, like progressive viewpoints, deserve to be heard. There's a reason why last night a nationally ranked high school debate coach said on the space, said on the space, when we were talking about a potential debate on systemic racism, he said, having a counter argument to systemic racism is like saying you have a counter argument to the sky is blue. There's nothing you could say. So in their mind, they truly believe, Michelle, that there is nothing on the other side, that these are sacred arguments. And to question these ideas which are settled in their mind is sacrilegious. I'll tell you, there is nothing settled 
about so-called gender-affirming care. There's nothing settled about abortion or about affirmative action. These are some of the most divisive, philosophically intricate issues that face our country. And they're pretty much saying, settled subject, book closed, shut up, don't question it. And if you do, we're going to essentially kick you out. And in doing so, hopefully silence you. I mean, I think in right. ultimately they want to silence any dissenters to their to their ideologies uh, that you just outlined. And it is so freaking scary to me that this this national organization that oversees these high school debates is staying silent. I wonder if they're thinking oh, this will pass. People will start to ignore it. The story will, you know, the, the, the news cycle will overrun and, and we don't have to worry about it. Or if they just have no good answer, yeah. What is your plan going forward in terms of you've got incubate debate, which is a, an, another option for students, which I hope sure. many, many people flock to. But w- how else can you progress this story to keep it in front of eyeballs? This is this. Damn it. This is scary. This is scary stuff. This is absolutely scary stuff. Let me take the first question about why the NSDA is not responding. Here's okay. my theory. The NSDA has two stakeholders. The first are their donors who don't want anything to do with this kind of behavior. These are donors, by the way, that include the Council on Foreign Relations, the Reagan Presidential Library, a lot of big, big names in the world of philanthropy and politics. But on the other hand, their stakeholders are the students and the judges, the ones on the Twitter space last night who decry and denounce any type of pro-capitalism, pro-police, pro-Israel type of argumentation. They cannot please both. They are stuck between the Scylla and the Charybdis of this issue. If they appease their donors, which is probably the right thing to do, which is to remove, denounce this type of ideological political judging, stop being a neo-Marxist organization, return to your roots of free speech and open debate, that's the right thing to do. They'll please their donors. They are going to launch a full-scale insurrection from the students and the coaches who, again, like the one girl who ended our space last night, who's actually a current high school debater, who went on a tangent by saying that if her competitors refer to her team as you guys, that is, quote, violent speech. If they saw, and this is a, this was a rising sophomore, Michelle, a rising sophomore who said that there's nothing wrong with apologizing for using you guys because it is inherently violent. That's what we're dealing with here. That's what we're dealing with. Or the one person who said, how dare you let the other person talk about immigration that way? Look, it's not my place. It's not the NSDA's place to block any particular viewpoint. They have one job and one job alone. It's to be a forum, a competition where ideas compete with one another. And if your idea is so bad and so bankrupt, the other team responds and discredits it. It's not up to you or me as the judge, Michelle, to come in and say, you know what? That idea may have had the best evidence, may have technically won the round in front of us, but that idea is actually racist, homophobic, xenophobic. I can't vote for it. (laughs) I mean, if this doesn't terrify people, I don't know what will. Like she's using the saying, you know, if you say you guys, that's that she used the word violent. Yes. I would say, okay, so words aren't violent. Okay. I mean, you could say words are violent, but I don't 
you know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names will never hurt me. So, you know, um, they've, they've twisted the definition of violent into this way that I think it's, it's uh, raising, raising alarm bells, ringing alarm bells about things that, oh my gosh, I, I, it's so insane. I, I almost don't have the response and I certainly don't have the gift of words that you have to, to respond to this. All I know is it's wrong. It's terrifying the direction it's going. It's not in a vacuum. We see this in many parts of society right now, but in the one place where kids ought to be able to debate ideas uh, to have this happen, that is, that to me is like a, a that's a, that's a line in the sand that has been crossed now. All right. So you answered that question and shame, shame on the NSDA. Shame. I, absolute embarrassment. Um, are, how is Incubate Debate? Are you getting some donors here that, that say this is the better way to go? We, we have been. We've got a lot of support. I'm proud of the, the donors who have stepped up and are supporting our work to bring free speech back to high school debate. But I got to tell you, Michelle, I am way more excited about the students, the hundreds of students who have reached out to us saying, I want to be a part of not just a free speech debate league, but a no cost debate league. Everything that we do, unlike the National Speech and Debate Association, is no cost. And we do it uh, through the support of our donors and by putting on these events. You know, the answer is competing institutions. The capitalism that the NSDA judges decry and denounce is, quote, rhetorically violent is the way out, is the way to solve this problem. Incubate debate is going to be part of that solution, but I'm calling on everybody who cares about free speech. If you're a former high school debater, former high school debate coach, stand up, do something, even if it's small, even if you got 12 or 15 kids on a Saturday, it is much better to do it that way than to send your kids halfway across the country to be indoctrinated and to be shamed because they're pro-life, they're pro-Israel, they're pro-capitalism, and they're pro-America, and we've got to stop apologizing for it. Absolutely well said. Um, I, I just really hope that you continue to to ring this bell. It, it can't be rung enough as far as I'm concerned because, you know, we've seen parents are starting to see what's going on in schools. But now when you send a debate team <laughs> to represent a, an entire student body out to debate, and there's no debate really because this this isn't debate as as it's defined um right. you, you ought to be i, I so the, the words i want to use i'm trying to keep it clean here because my daughter's in the other room but you ought to be furious about yeah. this I, I mean congress that debates courts that debate uh right. presidents don't often debate anymore i don't know that we're going to have a debate with joe biden anytime soon but that and that's probably why because right uh, these are ideas that are supposed to be built, uh, defended with evidence and argument, as you say, and and impact. And yet, th- this is this is insane. So, how do you keep ringing this bell? Besides going on every podcast in America, we got to get you on Bill Maher. We do. Oh, I'd love to have the opportunity to chat with Bill. Yeah. Uh, Bill Maher is a great example, by the way. He's not gunning for these ideas. He's not a big fan of the the types of proposals that we're talking about. But guess what? At the end of the day, this is bigger than left versus right. This is are you pro-American or are you Mm anti-American? If you're anti-American, you hate free speech. 
and you don't want students to be able to voice their opinions. I think any good progressive would want to have their ideas challenged in a way that they could actually walk away with firmer convictions yes. to yes. be able to then move people in a way that allows them to expand their tent and, and resonate with more audiences. That's what this is ultimately about. You know, we're not just seeing this in high school debate. We're, of course, seeing this in broader American culture. We saw it yep. just a couple of weeks ago, Michelle, with the Joe Rogan, Peter Hotez example. Yes. And, and let's just put our priors and our feelings about RFK aside for a second. Peter Hotez has gone out for years, has made outlandish claims, has said things that have been verifiably false, specifically with respect to COVID-19 lockdowns and vaccine mandates and so on. He ought to be able to go into the public square and defend those ideas. And look, if RFK is such a whack job crank, like those who don't want there to, uh, there to be a debate seem to say, then it should be so easy for Hotez to just dominate and the debate would be over in 10 minutes. If capitalism is so bankrupt, if uh, increasing police funding is such an awful idea, then let the other team exemplify that. Let the other team show that in the debate. It's a competition for a reason. The judges are making it about themselves. It is about the kids. And as we're hearing a lot these days, and this applies to this as well, Michelle, leave the kids alone. For God's let sake. them be. It applies to everything on a number of issues that you and I are very concerned about. Mm -hmm. But on this issue, let leave them alone and let them do as they please. Debate is about civility. It's about diversity of viewpoints. And it's ultimately about coming together, not to convince you or me that we're thinking the wrong way about something or to persuade us to abandon our beliefs. But it's about getting us to think. You know, if if the debaters who say that capitalism is rhetorically violent had to go up against a debate where people from the Indian subcontinent have seen what capitalism has done, people in sub-Saharan Africa, the bottom billion that's been lifted out of poverty because of free markets and capitalism, why don't you go over to those countries and tell those people who are living longer than they've ever been living, who are seeing incomes higher than they've ever been, who are seeing infant mortality at rates 90% lower than at the beginning of the 1900s, go tell them that capitalism is rhetorically violent and see what they say back to you. You put things so well. I love talking to you so much. And, you know, this isn't, folks, this isn't just in this high school debate arena. We see Riley Gaines speaking out for keeping women's sports female and another female writer from USA Today calls her a bigot, but won't call her on the phone and interview her and debate in a column. Why? Right. Why won't she do that? The great right. article in Tablet we talked about earlier this week on the show, the right way to debate vaccines or we can just keep calling each other Hitler. Yeah, you know, what's more right. productive? It's it, so this isn't just in one space. This is permeating all issues in America, and it's terrifying. And I'm so glad you are bringing this to the fore. I hope you keep this series up. I really do. I hope you do another Twitter Spaces and another one and another one. And I hope you get booked on every show that is available to you because this this story is so important. And it has so many tentacles and people need to hear it. So keep up the good work, James. I'm so glad to have you again. 
Thank you so much for Michelle. It's a real pleasure. If you come out with part three, you're coming back to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, like James, be brave and do good. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 